know, Gordon Ramsay has a show, Next Level Chef. It's on Fox. I think next fall we're going to see four guys that are Next Level Packers. Coincidentally, mostly also on Fox. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Lombardi Tom Brews. I'm your host, John Delray. I hope you had a fantastic long weekend now that we're back here on Tuesday. If you knew us, I hope you enjoyed Memorial Day. I hope it was whatever you needed it to be yesterday. But today we're back. The Green Bay Packers are back in action at OTAs. I'm back. We're talking Packers. And speaking of OTAs, yes, the Packers are back. I believe tomorrow, being Wednesday, is actually open to the media. So we should get some some more tweets, some more reports, some more uh, actual info tomorrow. Today looked like just a standard practice day with no media allowed. However, from a few people that I follow on Twitter who were in Green Bay, boots on the ground, let's call them, uh, they said that Preston Smith, David Bakhtiari, and Dallin Levitt, at the very least, those three vets were back for this week's collection of OTAs. Remember, OTAs, for the most part, are voluntary. However, a lot of contracts, especially veteran ones, especially like the rich ones, will have clauses in there about workout bonuses, etc. Bakhtiari does, Preston Smith does. But all three of those gentlemen were not at practice last week. They are back this week by all accounts from what I saw on Twitter. Um, So today we're talking about four Green Bay Packers that I expect to ascend in 2023. Now, a couple of these guys are on the younger side of things that maybe they're going to get used differently. Maybe they get their chance. Uh, a couple of them are also guys that have been around for a couple years that maybe just haven't put it together for one reason or another. Maybe they've been blocked from more playing time opportunities. Regardless, I'm going to dive into why for these four individuals do I expect some kind of step up. And then on the flip side, Tomorrow, when I put out a video tomorrow evening, it's not going to be as happy because it's probably going to be a couple Packers that I expect to come back down to earth. And I'm going to be frank, I'm already looking ahead to this. Kind of tough to find considering last year's team was just slightly underachieving. So uh, we will dive into all that tomorrow. But first up, of the four Packers that I expect to ascend next year, number one, Romeo Dobbs. Now, could I have included Christian Watson? Yeah, absolutely. Christian Watson is, of course, on what many people believe to be a superstar trajectory. But I didn't want to go that route. It feels too freaking obvious, right? So instead, I went with his counterpart, the expected wide receiver to Romeo Dobbs. And Romeo Dobbs is kind of a baffling figure. You know, last year as a rookie, 64 targets, 42 catches, 425 yards, three touchdowns. Not a bad rookie year. Keeping in mind that, of course, he also left week nine with an injury and didn't return until week 15. Rookie year looks a little bit better from a stat perspective. And then when he did return in week 15, a couple coaches have talked about this. I think even Romeo mentioned it once that he just couldn't get right. That sure, he was back in playing, but that ankle just couldn't just couldn't get right for weeks 15 through the end of the season. And, you know, the other thing that I'll say, too, is best game came in week three against Tampa Bay, where he had eight targets Eight catches, 73 yards, and a touchdown. And then his production kind of kept on creeping down. And yeah, 
I mean, it's it that kind of tells the story of Romeo Dobbs. Last year training camp, he was the guy, right? People were photoshopping him into a yellow Hall of Fame jacket already, and Christian Watson was the ultra-athletic hurt one who everyone kept on kind of forgetting about. Then we get into the season, and Dobbs is producing week three, being the highlight, and then he hurts his ankle, and it all just kind of goes away. The thing, though, that I think is the argument for why Romeo Dobbs could ascend in year two of course, he should be getting more playing time, more targets, barring injury, because Alan Lazard's gone, Randall Cobb's gone, etc. right? Dobbs is just naturally moving up the depth chart. But the other thing is when you dive into the advanced stats on Romeo Dobbs, you see something kind of revealing about how the Packers elected to use him last year versus how he had been used collegiately. They're quite different. And I've mentioned this on the channel before. We know that Romeo Dobbs took a lot of short passes last year, and it just didn't feel like the Romeo Dobbs that they drafted. Well, now we got some numbers, so let's take a look. In 2022, being last year, Romeo Dobbs' rookie year, 18.8% of Dobbs' targets came behind the line of scrimmage. 45.3 came on short passes, 0 to 9 yards. 20.3% of his targets were on medium, 10 to 19 yards and 15.6% of his targets were deep. Now, in terms of success rates across those target shares, because remember, that's just target share, his best category by far happened to be medium, 10 to 19 yards out, where he received 20.3% of his targets. According to PFF, he had a grade of 94.3 in that section of the field, and he had a 69.2% catch percentage, which is basically how many of those targets did he actually turn into receptions. On deep balls... Only 15% of his targets were actually deep. He only caught two of the 10, though, for a 20% catch percentage. But let's take that. Let's comp that. So keep that in mind. 18.8% behind the line, 45 short, 20 medium, 15 deep. Now let's comp it to 2021, his last year in college. 12% was behind the line of scrimmage, already a 6% difference. 36% was short, 28% medium, and 22 percent deep. Now, each one of those things is within roughly like 10% of each other, right? But those are some massive swings. Because in college, on 22% of his targets being deep throws, he converted nearly half of those, 12 of 25 for 444 yards and eight touchdowns. Romeo Dobbs in college was substantially more of a down-the-field threat. He wasn't used as this kind of like intermediary or even as we've seen the Packers do so many times. It's a staple in the Fleur's playbook. They used to do it with Devontae more successfully than anyone else. But these wide receiver screens, right, where everyone kind of clears off to the left side and the receiver's left lingering back behind the line, catches the ball and darts, in theory, darts up the field oftentimes, though it, you know, just stumbles for a yard or two. And they attempted to use Dobbs in that a lot last year. But in actuality, diving into the numbers and looking at what Dobbs did in college, he's much more of just a get-him-down-the-field route runner tough. Now, he's not MVS, right? He doesn't have Watson speed. But this is still a guy that has shown an adeptness at getting open farther down the field than behind the line, which is how the Green Bay Packers used him on nearly 19% of his targets in his rookie year. These are some massive switches, and I gotta believe that part of the reason why he was used the way that he was last year was just because of availability. You know, Watson had his time hurt. Cobb had his time hurt. Eventually, the Packers just needed wide receivers to run their offense. And where they were putting guys or whatever, I mean, they tried to put guys in the best possible spot. But I think Dobbs kind of encapsulated that not being used to how he's used to being used or maybe arguably should be used. 
So Dobbs, absolutely a candidate to break out in year two if he's used more how he's used to being used. Breakout candidate number two happens to be another going into his second year player. That happens to be middle linebacker or inside linebacker, Quay Walker. You know, last year he had 12 pressures on only 66 pass rushing attempts. He led the team with 115 tackles, according to PFF. When pass rush coordinator Jason Repovich was asked about Quay Walker being a pass rusher, are they going to use him versatile? Is he going to pass rush more? And Repovich basically just stood there and said, Yes. Well, there you go. There you have it. The 240-pound Quay Walker, I would anticipate, is going to be used more often on the edges. You know, the Green Bay Packers were looking pretty heavily in the draft at types like Will McDonald, right? We saw the rumors they had Will McDonald in for a visit. The Green Bay Packers were looking for guys that maybe are quick-titch pass rushers. They're, they're, They're quicker. They're leaner. They're not the 265, 275-pound pass rushers that the Green Bay Packers almost always have lined up at edge, a la Preston Smith, Rashawn Gary, their first-round draft pick, Lucas Van Ness. Quay Walker could be that quick-twitch outside linebacker edge rusher for them. He also could be a capable blitzer coming up the middle. And all of that's well and good, right? Like, that's the good stuff. We already saw that from Quay. We know he can do it. Where was he bad last year? And, well, as it turns out, he was one of the worst inside linebackers against the run last year. Total. Like in all of football. He wasn't great. He had a 34.9 run defense score from PFF. Which is rough. And why did he have that grade? Well, predominantly, I mean, his missed tackle percentage was only 10.2, which is a touch high. But it's not like out of this realm. So, why was it so bad? Comes down a lot to Quay Walker reading a play incorrectly and then moving the wrong way. If he can shore that up, I think you're going to see some fairly rapid ascension because look, the physical traits are there. The knack for even creating a big play, big play quay, it was there. The pass rush spurts, it's all there. If he can read and diagnose plays more accurately, I think we're going to see a relatively rapid ascension for quay. That isn't just like a typical year one to year two, like, oh, he's figuring stuff out, he's getting better. No, if he can figure out that, if he can unlock that part of his game, he will become a stud in the middle of the Packers defense for years to come and quickly. Player number three that I'm going to take a look at is one player that I don't think you can make the argument is a bounce back player because what's he bouncing back from? But happens to be tight end Josiah Deguara. And this one is based pretty heavily on just usage, right? For the last couple of years, he's been behind Mercedes Lewis at tight end, Robert Tunyon at tight end. He's been relegated to just kind of this this H-back role, right? Which we know the floor likes, but it hasn't been used into its fullest way yet. So my thinking here is it's opportunity-based. Tunyon's gone. He went to the Bears. Mercedes Lewis is teamless as of right now, and it certainly looks like he's not coming back to Green Bay. That means Josiah DeGuara is the leader in the clubhouse to be tight end one. And sure, they've got Musgrave, they've got Kraft, Tyler Davis still hanging around, Austin Allen, who you may like from the practice squad, Cameron McDonald, the UDFA, etc., etc. There are bodies in the room for sure, but who's the leader in the clubhouse to be tight end one? Week one? Josiah DeGuara. I do think that the Packers are going to utilize their veterans, <laughs> veterans, earlier in the offseason. And the reason why I put that in quotes is because even their vets are young. But I think they're going to use them earlier in the offseason to continue to get love 
in some kind of rhythm and some kind of routine. Go to guys who've at least been doing it for a little while and not trot out Musgrave and Kraft as tight end one and two in week one. So DeGuara already has a leg up to getting usage and opportunity that he hasn't had. Beyond that, though, he's a motion-type tight end, right? Like Josiah DeGuara, when he was first drafted, was referenced as this movable piece, this chess piece, this matchup guy that you wanted to put all over the place, including an H-back, inline tight end, in the slot, etc., 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 right? He was this great, this great positionless mismatch that, that MLF would be able to use. Well, we haven't seen that, really. He's been H-back, he's been in line a little. And we know that, you know, based upon the production of the last couple of years, Aaron Rodgers didn't necessarily trust Josiah DeGuara. There are a lot of times that Rodgers just didn't look his way. And I have a feeling, you know, we've talked before on this channel about how, like, the Matt LaFleur offense may be coming into full fruition this year. No more compromises with a quarterback who still wants some McCarthyisms in the way. No more, you know, changing things. This is now going to be Matt LaFleur's playbook in full. And Josiah DeGuara is Matt LaFleur's type of tight end. So does that mean that he's actually going to be utilized more in the offense? Again... This is one opportunity or one place where usage and opportunity could meet to create productivity for a young player. Going over some quick stats here for DeGuara. In 2021, he had 25 catches, 245 yards, two touchdowns. And then last year, he wound up doing even less. And I know Tunyon was back and healthier-ish and stuff. But still, like nonetheless, 2022, DeGuara had 13 catches, 114 yards, and zero touchdowns. It doesn't sound like a player who's on the rise. It sounds like a player who's going to continue to descend until he's off a roster. And he is heading into year four, happening to be his contract year. This is a massive year for Josiah DeGuara, personally. And the one thing that I will say, too, like here, just a couple more stats, just to enlighten you a little bit more. Of all the tight ends on the roster last year, he had the highest receiving grade per PFF. It was still only a meager 62.8, but nonetheless, it was higher than Robert Dunyon and Mercedes Lewis. And the other thing is, too, last year, he did not get a single target deep. Yeah, not one target 20 yards or more down the field. Not tight ends. How often do they go down there, right? Okay. How about the middle? 10 to 19 yards. He had one. One target. 14 of Josiah DeGuara's 15 targets last year came within nine yards or negative of the line of scrimmage. Start using him as a receiver and see if he can actually be one. Let's move on to the last player. Again, I don't want to say a comeback, but I do think this is a player who, if certain things are figured out, can ascend to a new level that we haven't necessarily seen them get to before. And that happens to be running back Quadzilla, the quadfather, A.J. Dillon. 2021, he had 187 carries for 803 yards, five touchdowns. 2022, he had 185 carries, 769 yards, and seven touchdowns. However, going farther than that, not such looking at running, let's look at receiving as well. 2021, he had 34 catches out of 37 targets, 313 yards, and two touchdowns. 2022... 28 catches, 39 targets, 206 yards, and zero touchdowns. Now, A.J. Dillon himself on Twitter has talked. You know, there was a fan, had to be about a month ago, that kind of called him out for 
for basically not running hard enough. Too many shoelace tackles, too many, you know, too much indecision out of Dylan. Just wasn't a good year for him. And Dylan basically quote tweeted that and said, yeah, you're right. <laughs> I know. It wasn't my best year. There were things I was too much in my own head. And, and he took, like, this was self-awareness, self-accountability for the win completely. Like, this is A.J. Dillon saying, I acknowledge what you're saying and you're right. Like, don't think we're not working on this. Don't think we're not working hard. We are. And I personally am trying to make sure that this doesn't happen again. Accountability, awareness, great. The thing is, he's got to do it. So let's dive into... Why was last year kind of unsuccessful for Dylan? He just wasn't as good as he was in 2021. Well, if you want to take a look at where he was running the ball, that may be slightly enlightening. When you're talking, uh, there was one area specifically running off of the left shoulder of the left tackle. So kind of outside the left tackle. If there's a tight end there, it'd be between the left tackle and the tight end. In 2021, he had 14 carries for 95 yards. It's a 6.8 average. 2022, he had 14 carries, same exact carries in the same spot, for only 58 yards and a 4.1 average. Okay, let's take a look at some other spots, right? Some other spots where he was deficient. How about going off of the right end? Now, this is far off to the right side, like off of the right shoulder of a right base tight end, like outside run. In 2021, 21 carries for 92 yards, 4.4 average. Last year, 27 carries for 84 yards and only a 3.1 average. On the whole, when running to the right tackle or the right far end, he was a worse runner in 2022 than he was in 2021. Same thing running off of the left tackle. And those numbers, they're drastic enough to where they completely tanked his entire season. The whole thing went down. And if you want to know about like where he was catching the ball or why he was catching so much worse, I'm actually going to attribute this one more so to the quarterback play because in 2021, all of his passes behind the line of scrimmage, every single one of them was caught. A 100% catch rate. Last year, 30% of those passes behind the line of scrimmage wound up being incomplete. He had only a 70% catch rate. Also, on short outs to the right, last year, he was only one of five, a 20% catch rate. And if you remember, think back to all those games last year, think back to how many of those throws from Rodgers were at the running back's feet. Now, I know thumb injury, et cetera, et cetera, whatever. Blame me whatever you want. It's still a fact that the throws were at the running back's feet. So, how with all that in mind, right? There's deficiencies running the ball. There's, there's different things. There's deficiencies catching the ball. Why is it that A.J. Dillon's going to get better this year? When he's got two years of pretty similar stats, and last year was the worst of the two. And I think it's because he knows it. At individual times and in individual spurts, A.J. Dillon has been an incredibly good runner. I mean, his PFF grades for running the ball is like 81 one year, 88 another year, like very, very high. And the thing is, last year, going back and watching it, yeah, there was a lot of inefficient running. There was a lot of Dylan not quite looking to know where he's going to go, what hole he's going to hit. And then tackles that for his size shouldn't be bringing him down, they did. But he knows it. And he proved that, too, on Twitter. But beyond that, towards the end of the year last year, A.J. Dillon was a different running back than the one that was happening earlier in the year. Maybe he just needs to be cold outside. Maybe the dude just gets overheated. Whatever. 
But this is one case where I'm going to put my money down on the fact that the guy that's hosting Memorial Day parties for so many young Packers, I hope you saw those pictures, but I'm going to put my money down on the guy who knows what's going on in his game to change it more so than a guy who doesn't know how to change it. I hope that makes sense like it did in my head, but that's ultimately where I'm at with A.J. Dillon. I have to believe that what we've seen from him, the good of the running back A.J. Dillon, is the true A.J. Dillon, and not the one who trips after getting his, like his shoestrings tied up after two yards. Plus two, one thing that he admitted was he was two in his own head, right? If you got a 250-pound running back who's a battering ram, and he's two in his head... Maybe you got to call something easier. And I'm not that's not a knock at all on Dylan's intelligence or anything like that. I'm just saying from an offensive philosophical standpoint, if you can't use your battering ram effectively, maybe you got to call something different to match the player you got. And if they do, the best version of AJ Dylan is about to come forward. Hope you had a great day today. I'll be back tomorrow like I said with maybe not so happy of a video with a couple guys that I'm looking at that Maybe coming back down to earth. But hope you have a great night tonight. I will be back tomorrow. And as always, Go Pack Go.